the word of the Lord, which came to Hosea, the son of Berai, during the days of Uzziah, I believe maybe you've got there, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Some were good, some were evil. Some of these kings, like Hezekiah, was a very good man in many ways. But during the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, and Jeroboam was one who was moving from God as Israel moved from God. And this is true throughout the course of human history. The Bible says when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when evil reigns, the people will turn with that. And here Jeroboam was turning away from God rather than toward God. And Israel was moving away from God. And God reaches out and he calls a man named Hosea. And he says, Hosea, I got a job for you. Now, when we think of being a prophet or any kind of servant of the Lord, it is easy first to think, you know, maybe it's teaching or maybe it's just serving in some capacity. But often when God calls one, he is calling them to something that looks strange. It looks different. And Hosea was no different difference in this way. His life was going to go in a path he could have never charted. Now, if you want to serve the Lord and you want, to, you want God to call you and follow him wherever he goes, you cannot determine the outcome. We walk by faith. We, we don't walk by sight. And this is how it was going to be from Hosea. But Hosea was going to get a radical challenge from God. You'll notice this. In this time, when the Lord, verse 2, when the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, go take yourself a wife of harlotry and have children of harlotry. For the land commits flagrant harlotry, forsaking the Lord. And God's first call to this man was to go do something foolish in the eyes of men. It was a call to go out beyond your people and take a wife that isn't deserving and bring her back to you. Now, when God calls any of us, he has something else in mind rather than the first call that he is giving us. And this is what we'll find in the life of the prophet Hosea. He wasn't done by any stretch of the imagination. He would call him into a very unique ministry and calling. And when God calls us, he calls us to that which we cannot plan for. We cannot project. We cannot scope out or we will not walk by faith. You remember the story of Abram when God called him and the word of God says, Abram journeyed not knowing. You could have caught Abram as he left Ur. He was leaving his family. He had heard the call of God and said, Abram, where are you going? He says, I don't know. I don't have a clue. God called. And this is the way the Lord works. And he was working in the life of the prophet Hosea. And this call, for as we would be looking at this, it would be radical. Often when God calls, the call cannot be explained to others. 
It is something that's happening deep in the heart. When we attempt to make the call palatable, we depreciate the call of God. And here it was with Hosea. Hosea, here's this radical call of God. And why, but God says, I'm going to tell you why. For the land commits flagrant harlotry, forsaking the Lord. Hosea, you're there for a reason. The people are turning from God. The land is moving away. And we are here tonight for a reason. And I would propose to every brother and sister here, everyone that's here tonight, the reason we are here tonight, and we live in Surprise, Arizona, and in, and in USA is for reasons bigger than we first see. God sees what we do not see. But God tells us to go where we did not think we would go and to do what we would not think we were to do. And when we hear the call, it is radical. It does not make sense. And here it was with Hosea, but God wasn't done with Hosea. Now tonight, the last song spoke to me, and I was thinking, well, what, what, is, a, um, what is a title of the message tonight? And I, I just want to title the message. I don't always do that, but a, our God will not let go. And we will see this throughout the Bible. Now, God gives us an opportunity to respond, but God won't let go. He will pursue us and pursue us. And this is what he was beginning to do as he was laying the groundwork through the prophet Hosea, that he was going to pursue him in a passionate way because he had other people in mind way beyond Hosea. Now, when God calls you, when God calls me, he's got somebody else in mind. Callings are not internal. Callings are to go beyond, to go where we never thought we would go. And this is where Hosea was going to go tonight, go as the Lord called him. So the word of God says in verse three, so he went. Now, you know, it's easy when you think about it. Abraham went, Hosea, he went. I would propose Hosea would be a man of like passions like I am. And you say, you got to be kidding. Everything's just getting kind of normal. I just signed up to be a prophet. And you're telling me to go over to another land and pick out a wife out in the other land that I don't know. And I've been taught my entire life. It's very dangerous. I don't know. I've, I've wondered how many times with um, the Abrahams of life, we always think of Abraham, well, he just got up and went. <laughs> but I thought, you know, I wonder how many times he says, I'm not going there. And God just waited, knocked again, knocked again. Do you hear me? But here at Hosea, the word of God says he went. We don't know how much time that took. When we, adjust, when we hear the call of God, there is a burning within the heart. There's something that's happening. A fire is deepening within our bosom. We cannot explain it to other people, but the word of God says, he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Deblam, and she conceived and bore him a son. Now, here was this prophet of God that goes out and takes this woman of harlotry and calls him, calls her his wife. And then she conceives, and now they have lineage to gather. A mighty prophet of God, 
a holy man of God and an unrighteous woman by the eyes of men. God doesn't work like we think he's going to work. Every one of you could testify to that. If we'd go up and down these rows tonight and say, just, I'd love to hear. Just tell me how God works. It'd be amazing. The ways God works in your lives is not ways that we see originally, nor did Hosea. He did not know. He could not understand, but God was calling him into a very unique ministry in a very unique time in Judea and Israel when they were breaking apart in the kingdom. And Hosea hears the voice of God. He probably struggled with the call. He followed the Lord. He went into the land of harlotry and he took a wife whose name was Gomer. If someone would have walked up and says, what's your plan, Hosea? What, what do you think he would have said? You got a master plan? I'm following God. What else? I've read the Bible. I know the end of it. Can you share a little bit more? I'm following God. Many, many times, this is the way the Lord works. His ways are unsearchable. They're past finding out. He has no perfect pattern, nor just direct way in which he's going to work. But the ways in which God works are so many to accomplish his purpose. Because he is a God that will not let go. And sometimes the people we would let go of, like Israel, or even rebellious places of Judah, God isn't going to let go. And so he calls a prophet in there, calls him Hosea, tells him to marry this woman, Gomer. They have a child. And the, word, the Lord said to him, verse 4, name him Jezreel. The name had a meaning. God always has a purpose behind the plan. He has a purpose in every life that is here. God's purpose is not what we can explain or even understand today. Somewhere in this building tonight, you are hearing the call of God in some radical way in the very resources of your heart. Someone in this room tonight is resisting the call of God. Someone in this room is wondering what all that means. But in the life of Hosea, Hosea was watching this great plan of God unfold in this marvelous way when he spoke to him and tells him to, to get this wife. And then they had this son, Jezreel. And here comes the son. Now he's coming from harlotry. He's coming from a prophet. Think of this. Now you got this, we call it blended family today, but this is really blended. By society standards, this is messed up. This is really messed up. Hosea got off track and you see the, the elders of the city sitting around saying, you know, I, I really feel bad because Hosea could have really had a ministry if he would have responded. And Hosea was right at the place where God wanted him to be. Some of you are there tonight. One of the great temptations in the call of God is an attempt to make that call palatable to other people. If everyone could just see it's all normal, but it isn't because God's call is always radical in some way. And here it was in the life of Hosea, but God wasn't done with Hosea. He says, here's the message for yet a little while, and I will punish the house of Judah for the bloodshed of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. 
God says, I'm doing this because I am a God of justice and judgment and righteousness. I can't let it go on. God's love so great, so mighty, so wonderful is balanced by another part of his own being when that is his wrath. Because he is just and just the justifier of those that believe in Jesus. God is a God of justice. And God is a God who will not let go. He knows where we need to go. He knew where Israel and Judah needed to go. And he was using this man, Hosea. We call him a minor prophet in a mighty way, in a very special time when these nations were fraying apart at the seams. Some of you here are at places like that tonight in your lives. I do not know. God knows. But you know, it might be in the family. It might be in the community. It may be in the church. God's got you somewhere. God is asking you to obey him and to respond to the radical call of your life. And as you are doing it, friends, family, everyone steps back because it doesn't make sense. The cross never made sense to hardly any man on the face of the earth. The word of God says we hid when we saw Jesus in the cross. We all forsook him and fled. We went our own way. But here it was that God was raising up a family, this wonderful little family in the land through a prophet to use in a mighty way. And the word of the Lord says that he says, I will put an end at the end of verse four to the kingdom of the house of Israel. Israel was going to go into major condemnation of God, but God doesn't let go. Remember, when we or anyone is struggling or chastised, God still hasn't let go. When we give up on prayer, God doesn't give up. God keeps pursuing. He will chase people down the darkest alleys we'll ever run. David himself said, How, where can I go to get away from God? If I go up into heaven, God is there. If I go into hell, he's there. I can't run from God. And the reason is, is because he loves us too much. He loved Israel in spite of where Israel was. He loved Judah, even though they could not get along. And the kingdom was fraying at the seams. And even to this day, there has been a splitting apart. But God still has a mighty plan. This is the God we serve. This is who he is. That's what brings us together tonight. Each of you are a divine majestic example of what God does when he reaches out and he brings people unto himself. It is amazing the ways that God look works. But he says in verse five, on that day, I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. God's saying, I've got to do judgment. Oh, with you, I wish every time people could respond without the pain of judgment, but it doesn't work that way. It probably has worked in very few lives here. Most of the time, we must suffer before we respond. God here was speaking of this. And then she conceived, verse 6, again, and gave birth to a daughter. Could you see it now? People say, wow, 
It's bad enough for Jose and her to have one. Now they got two. These poor kids. This is pretty mixed up. But the word of God says, gave birth to a daughter. And the Lord said to him, name her Luramah. For I will no, name her Luramah, for I will no longer have compassion on the house of Israel that I would ever forgive them. You know, it's easy to read that over, but the God that we serve and who loves us weeps when we do not respond to his love. When he says, I won't do this, I don't think God takes pleasure in judgment, except when he knows the end result of what that judgment would accomplish. And this is what God was doing here. He wanted to see, he wanted to see the end result. And here it was, now they have two. They have a boy and they have a girl and God is naming them for a reason. And in verse seven, he begins to give more of that reason, but I will have compassion in the house of Judah and deliver them by the Lord their God and will deliver them by bow, sword, battle, horses or horsemen. And when she had weaned, weaned Luramah, she conceived and gave birth to a son. Now we have three, two boys and one girl. And the Lord said, name him Loamai, for you are not my people and I am not your God. God was raising up a family that was there to, to tell, give the people a message that God wanted them to get. God has a lot of ways to get messages to us. God has so many ways we can't even number them. God can get the message home to every single person on the face of the earth. Even like storms like we came through. Uh, it was relatively mild. But then when you come on the other side and the hills are shouting with the presence of God. And the smell is in the air. God is giving a message. And God, through this little, tiny family of five, was giving a message to a great, big group of people called Israel and Judah. You see, when God is on our side, we are the majority. No question. And here it was that God was raising up this little, tiny family of five. A very odd family. A wife that had a very questionable background. Matter of fact, if you make a study in the word of God, it's amazing how often God does this. God doesn't work like we think he'll work. God reaches out and look at, look at who God has brought to you tonight. How did you come together? It's amazing. The path through which God works so often is not the path we first think it will ever be. We can't see it. We can't chart it. But in verse 7, he said, he said, I will have compassion on the house of Judah. Deliver them by the Lord their God and will not deliver them by bow, sword, battle, horses, or horsemen. Now God says here, I'm going to turn to Judah and I'm going to pour out my heart of compassion. Sometimes when we think of the prophets, we think of the prophets of those who just gave a sharp, strong message of judgment. But that isn't always what it was. 
God gave Jeremiah a message one time, and he said, I want you to go to, the, the, go to the north and proclaim these words to the people who are turning from me, that I am merciful. I am a merciful God. God will call a prophet like Hosea to speak and give the example of both judgment and mercy. This is what he does. He tells us we are to speak the word that God gives us. We are to go where he says we are to go. But here it was with Hosea. The Lord says, like when this, this last little guy, or he's going to have compassion. And then the Lord says, the little boy, Nahum, who am I? For you are not my people and I'm not your God. Notice God speaking of judgment. He comes back over here to Judah's compassion. He comes back over here as judgment. but he's not letting go. He's got his eye on Judah. And for a moment, we think, no, that's who he's got his eye on. No, God's got his eye on more than Judah. As you look through the line, you will see that he's got his eye on Israel also. But more than Israel, when you look at the story and continue to let the story speak to us as it flows to us tonight, it will go and jump out past Israel. And it will, it will even come down to the church of Christ that the Lord has purchased with his own blood. And then he'll say, it's for you. It's for you too. You see, the word of God says in Timothy that every scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it is profitable for reproof and rebuke and correction and instruction and in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect thoroughly furnished into all good works. But as you look at the story with me tonight, God will expand this beyond Judah and Israel. He gives a natural story through a natural family, a real life experience to show a spiritual truth. When you look at that, this part of the character of God and the calling of God. I would propose that he desires to do that in every life that's here tonight. It's just different ways. That's, that's God's heart. He sees the people. He sees the lost. He sees the people moving different directions. And he's just looking for people that are willing to be Hosea's, hear his voice, and follow where he asks them to go. And as you look here, the Lord goes on and he begins to speak of the vision he has beyond what he just asked Hosea to do. Sometimes people say, what's your vision? You know what I tell people, Yesley? I want my vision to be God's vision. Because I can't see very far. Uh, God is, in, in the world's, world we've lived in, a lot of times I was kind of living six months out. But I was still missing things six months out. God doesn't miss anything. God's vision when he was calling this prophet and his family and a wife that has lived in the place was he saw something way beyond this. The heart of God was beating for the souls of men. And he was using one man who was willing with his family as he chose them and conceived them to go where he would ask them to go. It is amazing how God works this way. He doesn't work in the ways we think he will do. He's just looking for one person who will stand up and say, Lord, I will go. 
You got me. I will go. That's what God does so often. But here, look at what he, he shares his vision. Yet the, 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 the number of the sons of Israel be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in place where it is said to them, you are not my people. He was saying, I see these people in great number. Every one of them I see like a soul. My heart is beating toward them as I'm doing this through the prophet Hosea. And he says, and it will be said to them, you are the sons of the living God and the sons of Judah and the sons of Israel will be gathered together. God is saying, one day I will bring them back together. Ezekiel 36 and 37 will speak of that one day. When, God, when Ezekiel began to prophesy of the time when two became one, but he says, I will bring them back together. God's heart is always a heart of reconciliation. Redemption itself declares the heart of reconciliation of God. And God was working even at this time, years before, to bring these people back together. And they will appoint for themselves one leader. Notice this, latch on that. One leader. Who's the leader? One leader. Is this speaking prophetically of the Messiah, Jesus, coming into the world, who will be the King of kings and Lord of lords? I just give that to you as a question. Because when we open the Bible and the Old Testament, every place you open it, it bleeds. When you begin to see the living Lord, the passages of the scripture will just come alive. They will just bathe your soul in inspiration and, and, and praise and thanksgiving. And he says, they will have one leader and they will go up from the land. And for great will be the day of Jezreel. And God says, I've called them. But remember, I've got something else in mind. But something happens. I can see people finally saying, you know, I'm looking at the family. I had a lot of questions about the family, but really it's working out pretty good. They got five, three cute little kids. They got they're over here, a uh, cute couple, really. But the word of God begins to suggest in chapter two, the first part, that this dear woman who had been chosen by this prophet of God goes back to the place of harlotry. She goes back. She's going to go back to her former lovers. She's going to go back to her old life, a place that she had came from. And then she wants to go back there. And he says, say to your brothers, verse chapter two, am I and to your sisters, Ruhamah, contend with your mother, contend for she is not my wife and I am not her husband. And from this comes the heart of a weeping, hurting prophet that had just enjoyed the blessings of God as he brought him and his wife together, and now they're separated. And the word says, and, and let her put away her adult harlotry from her face and her adultery from between her breasts. Now, as you look into this, we're going to jump only about five minutes in this chapter. It's a great study, but you will find somewhere around 28 times in this chapter, the word I will is going to be there. And you can break them down to the first about 13 or 14 verses 
And it'll speak of God saying, I will bring judgment. The last part of the chapter, he's speaking about, I will pour out my love. Because when God says he will, he will always stay true to his word. It will come to pass exactly the way the Lord, the King of Kings says it will. And if you look with me and we travel, but this, this is saying that God, as we see this two great dimensions of God's character is one is God is holy. God is holy. God loves sinners, but he hates sin. It hurts because it hurt his son so deeply. God is righteous. God has a perfect standard for righteousness. God is just. And we will look into this as we look at the I wills very quickly, and you will see the message. I will not read even the entire portion of that that verse for lack of time tonight. But the last part of the chapter, we see another part of the character of God. And that is, God is love. God is loving. Sometimes we get no further in our life. Many people, but see nothing but God is just. And God is holy. And God is exacting. And I can't live up to God's standards. But the rest of the story even coming out of the Old Testament, coming out of the book of Hosea, is God is love. God wins. We know the end of the, cha- end of the Bible. God wins. You can cross the finish line a winner, the word of God says. You can be an overcomer through him who loves you. But notice what God begins to see because he is also perfect. Even as he writes in the Bible, through like the Sermon on the Mount, he raises a standard so high that when man looks at that standard, it is so high that he realizes finally through his own conviction, I can't go over the top of the bar except through Christ. And then you look in the Bible and as Pastor Brett is going through the book of Romans, he'll begin to, it'll just break that truth open in the book of Romans that you can go over the top of the bar through Christ. Because God is love and God sent the perfect sacrifice. But notice verse three, I will strip her naked. He also says, I will also make her like a wilderness. Verse four, I will have no compassion or children for her mother's played the harlot. Or she said, I will go after other lovers who gave me my bread, my water. Verse six, I will hedge up her way with thorns and I will build a wall against her so that she cannot find her paths and she'll pursue other lovers and will not overtake them. And she will seek them, but not find them. Then she will say, now this is Gomer saying this. I will go back to my former husband. God has a way of getting our attention. I've heard testimony from different ones of you. And I could, I could declare that in my life also. God can shake us up. God can change everything to get our attention. How he longs to get our response. But here he goes, he continues, and he says in verse 8, she does not know that it was I who gave her the grain, the wine, the oil, lavished on her silver and gold, which she used for Baal. Therefore, I will take it back. I will also, down further, also take away my wool and my flax given for her nakedness, and I will uncover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers, and no one will rescue her out of my hand. I will also put an end of all of her gaiety, her feasts, new moons, Sabbaths, and all of her festival assemblies, and I will destroy her vines 
and fig trees. You know, God's really saying, I've got to do it. I've got to do it. I've got to do it. Because I've got a bigger plan. In some of our lives, he said that too. And if you continue on, you'll see what I will make them a forest. In verse 12, 13, I will punish her for the days of Baals, for which she used to offer a sacrifice to them and adorn herself with earrings and jewelry, jewelry and follow her lovers so that she forgot me. Now we've just went through about half the I wills. A couple of them was what Gomer was going to do. But God has a way of getting our attention. He has a way of shaking up our foundation. I would guess that if everyone confessed in this room tonight truly openly, that's what brought us here. Your confession would be different than mine. God had to break me down hard at 19 years old as a stubborn will that resisted him living in sin. He had to break the will that was very strong to take a man who would not cry to break him to where there was nothing left, but God was working. He was sparing my life in places that was unbelievable. And I then finally knew it was God. You see, you're here tonight because of the mercy of God. And so am I. That's it. The word of God says in Lamentations, it's because of the Lord's mercies, we're not consumed because his compassions fail not. But God's going to get our attention. Many years ago, I, a lot of my life, a lot of my career, I flew different places in U.S. mostly, but the last several years in the world. And it was very common to get on an airplane. And many of you here have flown on airplanes. I think maybe some of you this week are leaving. We leave tomorrow for graduation. And you know what it is? Have you ever looked on an airplane at who is really paying attention to the woman that's giving the demonstration? Nobody. Nobody. Been there, done that. I know the drill. This plane isn't going down. It's not, it doesn't get me. But on one night about 20 years ago, I'd been at a meeting in Sacramento and I'd left to go back to Seattle where the plane was going down. And they warned us. They said, it's a tremendous storm in Seattle. Didn't phase us. I didn't look at the lady. I didn't listen to what she was saying. So stubborn was I one time that the woman had to call out because I was sitting beside a colleague that I'd met, worked in the railroad, and we were talking together about railroad business, and she finally calls over the intercom on the plane, and she says, I guess you two gentlemen in, in row whatever think you're too important to listen to the message tonight, and everyone laughs, but God gets our attention. The plane takes off, and we fly for our hour and 15 minutes from Sacramento, California into Seattle, Washington. And the pilot comes on and says, it's going to be rough. There's a real strong weather cell in the bottom. And as the plane came on, I'd never landed like that in all the flights that we had taken. And I looked out the last 40, 50 feet before the plane would hit the, hit the ground. And the wings on a 737 were going like this. And I thought, how is the pilot going to get those wheels in the ground? He wasn't. He accelerated at the last minute when the wings locked like they were so close to hitting the ground and he shot off. And now we're listening. The whole airplane is quiet because of something so traumatic that got our attention. 
Pilate didn't say anything. He just got up and started circling Seattle. And about five minutes later, he said, ladies and gentlemen, we have encountered a very, very serious, serious weather cell. Some of you would have saw that on TV that night. It was on national TV. And that thing has hit the, hit the ground. And we're going to have five minutes to bring this plane down. And we're going to give it a try. We're going to move on. And we came down. And by God's grace, that plane hit the ground with fire trucks lined up and down the aisles. And we made it. But when she be, he began to speak, we listened. Because something got our attention. This is what God was doing through Hosea. He does that through prophets. He does that through you. He does that through other people. He does it through the word of God. He's got to get our attention because we drift, we slide, we move away. We, we gravitate toward apathy. We just get satisfied and we lose the spiritual thirst and appetite that the Lord didn't want us to, get, want us to have. And so God began to speak of as the other great part of his character. We cannot go far in this tonight, but there's another great part of the character of God. On one side is his judgment, his justice, his righteousness, his truth, his holiness. But on the other side, it was compassion, his love, his kindness. And here he begins to speak of the, that, that great, those great attributes. Verse 14, I will, therefore, behold, I will allure her. I will pull her to me. It's hard to see God as a lover. That he actually is chasing and pursuing the souls of men because he cares so much that he doesn't want to let go. And the word of God itself says that he doesn't want one person to perish, but he wants everyone to come to repentance. And in verse 15, he says, and I will give her I will give her her vineyards from here and the valley of Achor as a ray of hope. Verse 17, I will remove the names of the bales from her mouth. You see, God doesn't want us to stay where we are when we are living in rebellion. God isn't satisfied. He doesn't give up. He just keeps pursuing us. And he says in 18... In that day, I will also make a covenant with them, with the beasts of the field, with the birds of the sky, and the creeping things of the ground. I will abolish the bow, the sword, and the, the sword and war from the land, and I will make them lie in safely. And then he says, I will betroth you to me forever. The Lord's heart is that he is more than a savior. You will find this throughout the Bible. You will find this represented so beautifully in the book of Revelation. He wants to be not only our Savior and our Lord, but he wants to be our lover. He wants to be our husband. This is how deep the Bible speaks about the marriage supper of the Lamb. One of the words we have that describe us is that of the bridegroom. And here he says, I will betroth you. And notice how long. You know, some of you have, we're all married different stages of life, but it's not going to be very long. God's speaking about an eternal marriage here. I will betroth you to me forever. And he goes on and he says, he goes on and he says, I will, uh, verse 18 or uh, verse 19. He's, uh, no, 19, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice and loving kindness and compassion. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you will, and then will you know the Lord. 
Notice where God is in his heart here. And it will come about in that day that I will respond, says the Lord. Oh, you know the verse that says God's eyes just run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of one person whose heart is made perfect toward him. That's why he looks. In a few weeks, we have harvest over here. God's eyes are looking over maybe 80, 85,000 people. Who is going to respond? As the message goes out, the singing goes out over here in the stadium. And here's God looking for that response. And it says in verse 21, in that day, I will respond. And in verse, that same verse, I will respond to the heavens and they will respond to the earth. And I will sow her, verse 22, for myself in the land. And I will also have compassion on her who had not obtained compassion. And I will say to those who are not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you're my God. Sometimes when we're overseas and we're talking to someone for the first time, and it happens a lot. They have never heard of Jesus. There's times we go over there and we've, we have ran into 30 people in a row who have never even heard who Jesus is. And they'll say, how do we start? Just say, will you pray? Will you go home and pray and say, God, if you're there, just let me know. It's amazing how many people say something happened. You see, God's waiting. He's just waiting for the response. He's waiting for the utterance of the heart. Help, Lord. Grace, Lord. I need you. And then he says, I will say to my people, you are not my people. Say to those that were not my people, you are my people. And they'll say, you're my God. Now, here's something really big here. Remember, he used Gomer at that time. And now he's saying, I'm going, there will come a day when I'm going to have people that aren't my people. I ask you, is that the church of Christ? Is that those that are neither Jew nor Greek, circumcision or uncircumcision, bar barbarian, Scythian, bond or free? Is it who is purchased with his blood today and calls them his bride out of every kindred, tongue, people, and tribe? That God says, you're my people. You may have been rejected, neglected, forgotten, forsaken, but I love you with an everlasting love. This is a God we serve. And this is the reason heaven will be full of every kindred and tongue and tribe and people and nation. It will be full of all of those speaking every, everywhere in the face of the earth because God loves everyone. He so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son. Just got a couple of minutes. God had one amazing calling yet in the life of Hosea. He says, Hosea, verse 3, I want you to go again, love a woman who is loved by her husband. Who is the husband? Is it you, Hosea, or is it me? I can't put that all together. But he's saying, you go love her again. You go love the woman that, that turned from you. She's an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the sons of Israel. Hosea, just like God loves you, go love her now. Think of that truth. Love as God loves you. Forgive as God forgives you. Be kind as God is kind to you. Share as much grace as God shares grace with you. And now he says, Hosea, go love an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love raisin cakes. This is who God is. He says, go love them. So this time he goes again. He went and bought her. He buys her. But this time he buys her back. Notice this, he bought, he, I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a half of barley. 
15 shekels of silver, somewhere between 150 to $175 and a couple bags of barley. And he goes back and he gets his wife. And God says, come bring her back to you. And so I brought her for myself for that. And then I said to her, you shall stay with me for many days. Hosea was a natural husband. God was portraying a spiritual truth. I can only have you for a few days. Dev and I are really close to our 42nd anniversary. We talk about how many more years will God give us? We don't know. None of us know. Our days are numbered. We do not know. But here he says this. But then he says, you will be with me and I will be toward you. And then God says, I have a lesson through this. I want you to get Hosea and all the people of Israel. That the sons of Israel remain for many days without a king, a prince, sacrifice, or sacred pillar, and without ephod or household idols. Afterward, after this time, after this time, the sons of Israel will return. Now, this is national Israel. This is spiritual Israel. This is the church of Christ. And seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they will come trembling to the Lord and to his goodness. In the last days. You know what? I I believe tonight we're there. We are there in a spiritual sense. The word of God will still teach that God is going to do a mighty work yet. When things are happening in Israel, do not be surprised. God is going to fulfill his word as he said it's going to come to pass. But we're here. And tonight we are here because only of the grace of God. But now he says, I want you to go out and love. I want you to go out. And share, I want you to be in some manner or another like Hosea and give your life wherever God calls you to go. God bless you. Let's have a word of prayer and then we'll dismiss you. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for everyone that is here. Oh, Lord, we pray that however you have chosen to speak in the hearts of people tonight, there's been a lot of area covered in a short time. But I pray, God, that you would speak and bless and People can be edified. Everyone here can walk out and see how much you love us, Lord. And yet you're calling us to love other people in special ways. May your name be lifted up in our life this week, Lord, as we follow you. And we praise you and thank you for your redemption and for that love that just doesn't let go. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great week. Live for Jesus. He's coming again. 